0: Shandy Chernow, and you're listening to the Shandyland podcast. A super interesting topic for you today with Chef Justin Benedict, who is the plant based menu specialist for local alternative foods and NextFedge. Justin, thank you so much for being here.
1: Thank you for having me on your podcast today.
0: Yeah, it's great to have you here. I love having chefs, and you know, I think I mentioned this to you before. I just find the journey to that career path to be so fascinating and so interesting. And all you chefy people have such great stories to tell. What was kind of your aha moment on this is what I want to do and how'd you get there? And how did you find yourself at Local Alternative Foods and Next Veg?
1: Well, food has always been my passion. And my, my mother will be the first to tell you that I've been a foodie since day one. Um, as a kid, I used to get in trouble for you know sitting down at, the, uh, at lunchtime and asking what we were going to eat for dinner as we're eating lunch. And, you know, that, that passion for food um, led me down uh, a career in high school. You know, I, I worked for a lot of restaurants in high school. And then uh, when I went to school at Northern Arizona University, I transitioned uh, into sustainability, specifically environmental sustainability with a focus in sustainable agriculture and community development through agriculture. Um, the specifically the aha moment that I had that uh, brought me to the realization that I needed to become a professional, a food professional, was working on the Navajo and Hopi reservations with a gentleman named Jacques Serrand. I was in a research group called Local Fair, and we were working with um, indigenous elders, uh, city uh, tribal council members, and farmers that have been farming for, you know, generations. And just the, the understanding of a lack of true um, a food system that, that reflects the ethics of sustainability um, really brought me to, the, to that realization that uh, food really is our future. And the, mo- the greatest impact that I can have is to bring sustainability to the forefront of food and our food system.
0: That's so cool, and I want to dig into that because the the term sustainability, I feel like is kind of like the organic of thirty years ago, right? it it I don't really understand exactly what the difference is and what that means. and I want to talk about that. but how did how did that path from school and working on the reservation and all that lead you to local alternative foods and why is that your happy place why why are they sustainable and and fulfilling part of your mission?
1: Uh, the, the story to local alternative foods is actually an interesting one. I was working, uh, volunteering at a local ranch called the uh, farm called the Flagstaff Ego Ranch here in Flagstaff, Arizona. And they were hosting garden bed building workshops for community members. And so they, you know, as part of the education, you get to come over and and help build new garden beds at this nonprofit organization's farm. Um, and so, you know, I was, as a sustainability community uh, oriented community member, I was very intrigued and, you know, came to help um, with some of these design and building aspects. And part of the presentation was a composting presentation by a local composting group named Roots Composting. And uh, I actually helped with roots composting in their early stages um, when they were located on Northern Arizona University's campus. And they, you know, moved to a citywide initiative. And so I was helping with their presentation a bit. And the founder of Local Alternative Foods, Jonathan, noticed, you know, how involved I was in the various aspects of this garden bed building workshop and the composting workshop. And so he offered me a job on the spot. He said, hey, you know, we've just uh, moved forward with uh, our first vegetarian recipe—it um, was called tepa at the time—and I'd love for you to come work with me and learn how to make this food, and let's get this business off the ground. Is and what so used the, to
0: be tepa now next veg?
1: Correct. We used to be called tepa, T-E-P-A, and um, we changed the name for marketing purposes. Sure. Um, but otherwise, you know, uh, tepa is what locals still call our food today. Even though you know we've had a few name changes, and they're well known as Next Veg now.
0: So, what's so. the what's the mission of Next Veg? What is it? Where does it come from? And how, what's the response been from the restaurant industry?
1: Next Veg provides everybody can eat plant based protein options made from expressively whole foods, and all of our products are vegan, gluten free, and non allergen. So, they really provide that introduction to uh, Uh, a menu option that all diners can eat and a least common denominator for food service providers who are getting into the plant-based realm or they have uh, offered plant-based products in the past, but they don't like satisfy the needs of all diners, particularly um, this transitioning system of diners where where diners are realizing that health is the reason why we eat food. You know, comfort, everybody loves comfort food options. And everybody loves to be able to eat, you know, their favorite foods, but it's not always healthy. And so, NextVeg provides that opportunity to uh, to create those comfort foods and those uh, culturally appropriate food options that also are healthy.
0: So, just to clarify on the allergens, you mentioned it's vegan, gluten, and I'm guessing you mean top eight or top nine free.
1: Correct. Correct. It's All still US. made of food,
0: so. People could potentially still be allergic food. to some of the ingredients, but uh, just not the most common allergens.
1: Correct. Absolutely.
0: We always want to clarify that, right? We're talking about whole foods that are in there, which is good, not like, you know, magical chemicals. Um, so talk to me about sustainability. What does that really mean?
1: So like I'm a kindergartner,
0: and- which I am in this particular realm, Sus-
1: Sustainability is, in essence, creating something that can be created again and again and again without, um, with with consideration for the environment. In terms of you know not producing uh, greenhouse gases, and that's, some, that's something that all businesses, uh, not all businesses, uh, rec- acknowledge as an issue, um, local alternative food is working towards becoming a carbon neutral company someday. Um, but that's, you know, that's the beauty of sustainability is it's, it's a, it's a work in progress, but, um, basically balancing your inputs and your outputs. So, you know, we offer plant-based proteins to the food service industry, and that creates a a pool for us to go to farmers and say, Hey, we need these ingredients for our food. And those farmers also have to have inputs in order to create the ingredients that they need, that they, you know, send to local alternative foods. Well, if they are using chemical fertilizers, and if they're using uh, uh, lots lots of processes that utilize, you know, machinery and have, you know, gas and stuff, that's not necessarily the most sustainable way to grow food. And our current food system operates in that way. A lot of our food is uh, monocultured or created um, by use, you know, utilizing large swaths of land to create one crop versus a biodiverse environment where you, a farm can cre- create 10, 20, 30 different crops and have more of a, a regenerative agriculture approach where you know, you're, you're balancing your inputs and your outputs local alternative, uh, striving to do the same thing with plant-based protein options in the way that we are sourcing from farmers that, you know, do support, um, uh, small scale agriculture, regenerative agriculture, and traditional growing methods. Um, the last one is As opposed to
0: kind of burn it all of the ground and start again from scratch.
1: Exactly. Exactly. Or, you know, pumping chemicals into the ground every year in order to get the plants to grow, um, Not the most healthy way, because you've been
0: mean to the soil basically over time, and therefore have to kind of pump it back up again.
1: Correct. For lack of a better way to put that, synthetic fertilizers don't put back the necessary nutrients for healthy soil. They put they put into the ground necessary nutrients that for that crop to grow. But healthy soil creates healthy plants and creates a healthy environment.
0: So, what's the difference between organic and sustainable?
1: Organic is—that's—that's <laughs> that's a very good question. Um, organic and sustainable are synonymous in the way that both of them are positive for the environment. But organic is more so the the uh, process of growing that doesn't utilize uh, chemical inputs, and um, hopefully in the future we will see more regenerative agriculture where you know the uh, the farms are more biodiverse and animals and plants are raised or grown in the same place and you know compost and excess materials or materials that um, aren't necessarily the end crop get composted and put back into the soil Uh, microbiology uh, or ground microbes are um, encouraged to grow and and they are developed Um, just and organic agriculture helps towards that path so you know by using compost instead of synthetic fertilizers or using uh, naturally derived fertilizers like say kelp uh, kelp is a great natural fertilizer that is in excess, you know it grows rapidly in the oceans, uh, sequesters carbon from the you know, from the oceans and is an easy to use uh, fertilizer. so you know you using those methods to grow food is more sustainable and therefore healthier for the environment than um, what our current traditional or, you know, so-called traditional food system does today to grow food.
0: So one of the things, to my understanding, which again is, you know, super limited, um, is to cut down on our meat and animal-based inputs and pick up, you know, in return for that, you know the plant-based and, and vegetable inputs, right? Correct. What is it about the animal farming and um you know that part of the food industry that's so bad for sustainability
1: Well, raising animals takes a lot of energy and a lot of water. Um, I was raised on a cattle ranch in New Mexico, and so i you know I've had the privilege of learning what it takes to raise animals, you know from cows to pigs chickens you know i've raised ducks geese turkeys um you name it i've i've raised it and the water inputs are incredible you know it takes uh somewhere around 1600 gallons of water to raise one pound of usable uh animal usable meat and a cow
0: holy moly
1: Um, so yeah that's i mean there's plenty of people that eat you know a couple uh half pound hamburgers in a week and that's equates to 1600 gallons of water. Now I live in the southwest and 1600 gallons of water is like gold. You know, that's that's a lot of energy to be using. And not only that, cows eat grass. <laughs> so you need water to grow the grass to feed the cows to bring, you know, to get them to size that you can slaughter them and, and eat them, but um, what if our system was designed to eat more vegetables? instead of having meat all the time and that that middle process of you know raising the animal with the grass and having the water inputs from for the grass and the beef were eliminated that you know that that's that's the trend towards sustainability that i learned at an early stage in life and um understood was the path forward to assist in creating a more sustainable food system and particularly creating culturally appropriate foods. You know, uh, New Mexico is very rich in culture um, and food is, is a very, as a main component of that culture. And it's a very meat based culture with that being said. So, uh, you know, I I like to take plant-based into the cultural realm and create um, with NextFit create menu options that still meet those uh, cultural appropriations while, being more sustainable and still tasting just as good. So
0: culturally appropriate translates kind of to what people want.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, uh, America's very rich in culture. And uh, we have so many unique cultures that are portrayed through food. And so, you know, there, there is that inherent ability to be able to, to transcend that plane by creating food options that are still, More sustainable for the environment and meet those cultural values.
0: So, how can, like, what are the changes that people could make kind of on a day to day basis that aren't too overwhelming? Because the idea of moving from, you know, the amount of animal protein and animal products that we eat to all plant based is a little bit scary and uh, feels like a little bit too much to start with. What are some easy changes that people can make? in order to begin to make that type of shift?
1: Perhaps the the best way to understand how to move forward would be to, to be conscious of what you're putting in your body. You know, um, starting a food diary is a great first step and it doesn't have to be in depth, you know, but um, write down what you eat, right? You know, eat a meal at breakfast, eat a snack, write it down in a notebook and go back after a few weeks and. You know, without changing, you can go back after a few weeks and see how many of those options are meat-related or dairy-related, and you know, set a goal saying, you know, I I'm going to cut out one option per day. You know, starting with one option per day and eat something that's more vegetable-oriented or grain-oriented than than meat or dairy-oriented is trending towards that path of um, creating the the internal realization as you continue to make your food decisions throughout the days, weeks and months um, from there on. And so that's a great first step. Um, It's, I don't recommend jumping into the vegan lifestyle immediately. And uh, I I hear this time and time again from people that have tried and say, it's way too hard. There's no way I can do that. You know, and starting incrementally by um, picking up a replacement, you know, there's plenty of, great uh dairy free or uh, uh dairy replacements as well as meat replacements out there. And you know, really understanding what works best for your body is also important. Everybody has different dietary preferences and internal needs. And you know, uh for example, I can't eat fake meat. You know, it's it's great, it's novel. Um it just doesn't process my body well. And that is the same with a lot of people. And so you know the, I don't believe that a solution to uh, sustainability in plant-based or in plant-based in general is, you know, fake meat. I think that there needs to be a variety and the less processing that, uh, the less processed foods that you put into your body, the more health that you are going to uh, gain from those foods that you eat.
0: So processing is worse or meat-based is worse? Or is it a combination of the two, and we can't call them, you know, well, one over the other processing?
1: Anything takes energy, you know. So because
0: um, you could switch for, from from animal-based into a whole world of you know boxes and bags from the grocery store.
1: Absolutely, right? the junk food vegan is still alive and well for sure. Um, and you know, and yeah, there's there's tons of foods out there that are vegan and still highly processed, and therefore not. As nutritionally valuable for uh, for the human body as eating whole food vegetables and whole food grains, um, the where what we do with uh, next veg is we take these whole food ingredients and we minimally process them. So you know we we take the outer the outsides off of the, the carrot and we trim the garlic and uh, hand squeeze the lemon. So you know the the lemon juice is. I uh, can squeeze daily, and those whole food ingredients get mixed lightly into what a chef would receive as a plant-based protein that they cook fresh, and when you order it and uh, you eat it, you know. Um, there's other products out there on the market that take every single one of their ingredients and individually process process them down to a powder or a liquid, and then they take those individual ingredients that are no longer resembling a food that you would recognize, and they put them in a big machine and they combine them, and then they take them, you know and, and send them out to restaurants. And so those energy inputs that they uh, use to process their food are inherently unsustainable. that there's no way to to create a carbon neutral food system with that much processing and that much movement of food. Um, I like to consider myself a locavore. And a locavore is somebody who strives to eat food from as close to home or as close as their person as possible. Um, I grow a lot of my own food. I grow food year round here in Flagstaff at 7,000 feet up on the mountain in a big greenhouse. And um, that's something that I was taught early on in terms of uh, being uh, resilient in your community is, you know, grow food, share food and share plans with people that way they can grow food. Um, and that's something that I've really taken to heart personally, but also uh, we're seeing uh, our society trending toward this and understanding that, you know, if, if you are really interested in being more, uh, having more sustainability, sustainably oriented foods in your diet, Go to your local farmer's market. You know, your local farmers need support too. And those are hands down the freshest, best tasting vegetables that you'll ever get and products as well.
0: So maybe one of the easy changes in addition to the food diary to kind of uh, get a handle for how much animal based stuff or processed stuff that you're consuming would be to either start a small garden, indoor, outdoor, or whatever, um, and hit up the farmer's markets and support local.
1: sustainable
0: practices are are some of the local farmers kind of not sustainable and inorganic or is local better than not local across the board?
1: Well, in terms of sustainability, local is better than not local across the board um, due to the amount of food miles that a food product can travel. You know, we live in a global society today and some of our food options can travel thousands of miles before they get to your table, you know, multiple thousands of miles. And that in itself, utilizes a lot of fossil fuels in order to you know bring that food to your table, and you know such is the essence of globalization and capitalism. but you know with that being said, there is an alternative food system that is closer to home and that is you know within your immediate region. Um, our flagstaff farmers market is incredible. We have tons of local and regional growers from you know the the dedicated Lifelong backyard gardener who has decided that they're going to do their part and grow as many vegetables as they can. and Be at the farmers market every week, harvesting. You know, sometimes that morning before you buy the food and take it, need it. Um, and then, of course, you know, regional farmers are um, very plentiful around here, as we do live in a both a desert as well as a food desert. Um, which a, a food desert, if you're not aware of what that is, is an area or a region that doesn't have regular access to fresh local food or produce. Um, I was raised in Gallup, New Mexico, and it borders along the Navajo reservation, which is one of the largest food deserts in the United States. Um, the Navajo reservation is, uh, Shoot, i don't I don't remember exactly how large it is, but it encompasses two states and there's only nine or ten grocery stores on the entire reservation hundreds oh, wow. of miles of swath uh, of land and there's only nine or ten grocery stores that's what's considered a food a food desert. Most food deserts have more grocery stores and more fast food environments per capita or i'm sorry uh, more fast food environments per capita than grocery stores and um that was also something that led me down this path of you know creating a more holistic and more uh, appropriate food system for my community was was this realization that people don't have access to good healthy food whenever they want you know if you do you are privileged to be able to have the choice to ch- eat healthy you know but that's not something that everybody has yeah and uh, look forward to seeing you know this this reality change and, and it is changing there are Uh, other people like me that are out there to create greater accessibility to healthy, sustainable food options. Um,
0: So we've talked about a a bit about what people can do kind of in their everyday lives to start making these types of shifts. What can the restaurant industry do and the, you know, the grocery or or food service industry do um, to help with that? And what's the response?
1: You know, their path is very similar to the everyday consumer. Uh, supporting local is still the number one way to create a more sustainable menu, restaurant menu, as well as offering more plant-based options on the menu. And in terms of sustainability, at the end of the day, you know anything plant-based is better than than meat-based. But if there, if you do have the ability to and, and the affordability to offer locally sourced and minimally processed plant-based options, or even creating your own plant-based dishes from whole food ingredients. That is the best way to not only attract new diners that are transitioning to this realization of, I want to support local. I want to support, you know, lower on the food chain. And I want to have more sustainable options at my favorite places. That's how you get the myth. It is projected by the national restaurant association that by 2030, so nine years from now, 50% Fifty percent of all menus in America will be plant-based. Oh wow! That's pretty. That's a staggering statistic. And if I was to go into any restaurant today and tell tell, tell a chef, hey, chef, you're going to have to have this menu fifty percent plant-based in the next nine years, they'd laugh at me. For sure. You know. Um, with that being said, as would a I bunch talk-
0: of diners, I think.
1: A bunch of diners. A bunch of diners. Absolutely. You know. But this this it change is happening, and we are on the forefront of it now. You know, restaurants are shifting their, uh, shifting their menus to be more inviting and accepting of plant-based diners, as well as um, offering fresher options. And that's really, that's really exciting to see uh, from my perspective as, you know, somebody who works with chefs in kitchens all day long to be able to, even in the last few years, see the difference between um, having one veggie burger on the menu and probably not a very good one, and maybe a few salads, to actually seeing creative and innovative plant-based dishes um, coming to the the center of the menu, and sometimes even a, a distinct vegan menu, which has been a new trend lately.
0: Yeah, vegan is, so just going back to the whole allergy thing, vegan can be a little bit of a challenge for some of us who have nut allergies how do you find you know the protein and the fat to be able to sustain you know a healthy balanced diet um without nuts
1: you know <laughs> we are certainly seeing a transition in or a a respect for allergen free dishes you know it's something yeah. allergen friendly dishes you know and it's bec- um becoming more of a mainstream acknowledgement on the menu, but you're, you're absolutely right. There are still lots of substitutes that do utilize nuts. Um, and it's surprising how many people are adverse to, you know, having nuts and uh, other, you know, mainstream allergens. Um, may, may I share how Veg has yeah, like, absolutely. created the solution? So nice. we, uh, when COVID hit, we, you know, a lot of our restaurants shut down or we're doing minimal takeout to go orders and stuff. And so we had some spare time on our hands. And um, per requests from both diners and food service professionals for several years, we decided to go on down the path of um, solving this challenge of having uh, unhealthy and not whole food, plant-based sustainable cheese sauces. So we created our own called Next Veg Cheesy, And we use potatoes and carrots, nutritional yeast and uh, spices to, oh, and sunflower seeds to create uh, vegan whole food plant-based and shelf-stable vegan cheeses. So no nuts involved. And um, it's really been a game changer for food service. And it makes it easy for chefs and restaurants to be able to say, yes, I acknowledge that this is an issue and that my menu doesn't cater to this person. And now I can. It's yeah, been that's, really, that's really a great,
0: great idea. Yeah, yeah, for warm- sure. Because I mean, almost all of the dairy alternatives are either super duper crazy expensive or nut based.
1: Absolutely, a little
0: bit challenging,
1: and sometimes <laughs> both. Yeah,
0: sometimes both. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah. So tell everybody where they can connect with you and Next Veg and local alternative foods online.
1: Uh, we're all over social media. Uh, follow us on uh, first and foremost at our website www.localalternativefoods.com or nextveg.com. And that's N-E-X-V-E-G. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.
0: Yeah. Thank you so much. I mean, what an important topic, right? I mean, all of us want to be able to hand our planet off to our kids and their kids and generations to come. And certainly the, the sustainability aspect of the food system is one way that we can, seems like a very large way that we can ensure that that happens. Uh, as you know, I like to wrap all these episodes up with Two Truths and a Lie, my fun little torture game uh, to learn a little bit more about you. So Justin, let us know three things about yourself, one of which is less than true. And we're not gonna tell the listeners uh, you know, which one's not true. If you would like to know, then we'll have to talk on social media or on your favorite podcast platform in the comments. Justin, take it away.
1: All right. Two truths and one lie. First one is I grow bananas. Second one is I like to run marathons. And the third one is I once caught an alligator snapping turtle with my hands.
0: I like it. Those are absolutely perfect for two truths and a lie. And I can't wait to find out which one it is. Justin Benedict, thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate it. Listeners, as always, this has been the Shandyland Podcast. I'm Shandy Chernow, and thank you so much for listening.